This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now on behalf of the conferences and schools who manage the college football playoff, it's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Burrow's got time, launching for the end zone, jump ball, touchdown, Terrence Marshall. If Clemson's not going to use the timeouts. Game, set, match for the LSU Tigers. Victory formation. What a win for Coach O. What a season. What a storybook season. Hello, it's late at night on Monday, January 13th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. I'm Connor Tapp, and today the day's college football news is that the LSU Tigers have just won their first national title since 2007, and their first under Ed Orgeron, defeating Clemson 42-25 in the college football playoff national championship game. I'm joined tonight by 24-7 sports recruiting and evaluation analyst and co-host of the Biggins and Power Hour, the one and only Charles Power. Charles, earlier today when I was thinking about what you and I were going to talk about on this podcast, I thought to myself, you know what, I bet Charles is a big coach's feed guy. And then, I, and then I saw your tweets during the game and confirming my suspicion. So tell me, how did you enjoy the coach's room? That was great. I mean, I've, I've watched it on and off the last couple of years. I, I think the, the year uh, Alabama beat, beat Georgia in, I guess that was the January 2018. I watched it then. Um, it really kind of just depends on, on who's on there. But this, they had a pretty good crew this year. Um, Gary Patterson's always entertaining. Gundy, Mike Gundy is could, could do a stand-up act if he wanted to. And I thought Jeff Halfley was really good. Derek Mason was was the other one, too. He was solid. So it was, it was fun. I, I lasted. I tried to watch the the ESPN broadcast. I lasted like three plays. Like, you know, no, no offense to Chris Fowler, but he was he was hollering on the first drive. I was like, I, I'm <laughs> switching it over pretty quick. So and it was I, I definitely enjoyed that because you could see they, they showed all 22 the entire game. So you could definitely kind of it gives you a, a full picture of the field and um, they didn't really miss anything. So it was pretty good. So LSU ends up winning 42 to 25, maybe about the score line you would have projected one way or the other heading into it but early on man this was a pretty cagey affair we traded I think it was each team traded three punts to start the game and it looked like we were off to a very conservative start in this one we even had uh, Dabo Sweeney opting to opting to punt the ball in some pretty advantageous field position maybe you look back on and question those decisions but I mean, and kind of like working through like what exactly happened here because Clemson looked so good early and and there were points where it looked like they were kind of getting ready to take over this game. But then you look at it afterwards and man, they just really had a difficult time staying on the field. One of 11 on third down and kind of a tough night for Trevor Lawrence contributing to their having some difficulty staying on the field. And then on the other side, LSU just 
kind of does the LSU thing, and that's like really good. Like maybe one of the best teams in all of college football history. Good. So uh, I don't know, Charles. What uh, what what is your take on what we saw tonight? Yeah, I think I think early on, even in the first half, especially, I thought Clemson had had a pretty good defensive plan for LSU. I thought Brent Venables, uh, you know, just brought a lot of exotic blitzes like he always does. I mean, Brent Venables, his defense is is in terms of the, the pressures they bring, it's like more exotic than like a, a, a sandals result resort. They just have all kinds of crazy stuff. Like you could, you, you see a lot of his defense confused a lot of very good quarterbacks and, and a lot of very good quarterbacks not play well against his defense. Like just look at the title game last year. Um, you know, kind of look at what they did with, with Ohio state and Justin Fields in, in the semifinal. So, um, you know, this was kind of the, the final test for Joe Burrow and he's really played this year like, uh, like a savvy veteran. Um, I know he, he's older than most of these other college players. He's, he's older than Lamar Jackson. Um, and, and the game just moves in slow motion for him. I think so kind of once, once LSU settled down, um, kind of got their protections right and get, and got some good matchups. I think that was kind of the whole key to this game was, uh, I, I think LSU realized that they could out athlete Clemson's back seven, um, in, in, in some, some one-on-one matchups. And that was really the tale of the game. Even like in the first half, you know, LSU maybe wasn't playing uh, great, like complimentary uh, offensive football, but they had some huge explosive plays. Um, you know, particularly Jamar Chase, he was matched up on AJ Terrell, and they kind of got him on in the slot, um, and and he he made a ton of big plays. You know, the Belinikoff winner. So uh, I think he finished with 220 yards and two touchdowns. So that was that was a big deal, and, and just I, I think as the game kind of slowed down and. Um, some of the window dressing wore off from, from Clemson's defense. Uh, it just kind of became a deal where uh, where LSU just had had better athletes on offense, and, and Burrow really is to me like as far as like for, from what I've seen, his play this season, I'm pretty confident in saying is is the best uh, passing display I've seen from a quarterback in college football. It's just every, the game was in slow motion. He's just just insanely accurate. So I guess you say passing display to kind of create some differentiation between like Cam Newton, for example. Yeah, like a Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, Johnny Manziel. It's just just, just a little different. Um, yeah. Just kind of given that, uh, you know, just just how he, he's throwing the ball. It's just it's just kind of a different deal. Um, you know, he's definitely distributing the ball to a lot of playmakers and 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 Burrow. I, I think uh, you know, the underrated part of his game is his mobility in the pocket and uh, you know how he can create and, and pick up yards when, when things break down. I mean, he was LSU's leading rusher for the majority of the game until they gave Clyde's Edward Hilaire the ball kind of in the fourth quarter, just assaulted away. Um, I think going into the fourth quarter, he had maybe 50, 60 yards rushing in and Clyde Edwards Hilaire was in, in the fifties also. So, um, but, but he, he definitely can run, but it's just, a, it's just a different deal um, with them kind of, you know, running, uh, running an offense where, where I mean, he threw for, 5,600 yards, I think maybe, and 60 touchdowns it ended up uh, for a season stats. So um, it's, it's a little different uh, to compare with maybe some of those other guys, but uh, I'm pretty confident in saying this is the best I've ever seen a quarterback pass in college. Wow. Uh, I, I remember when, when Joe Burrow was transferring from Ohio State, I, I talked to Dave Biddle about, about the battle between him and Dwayne Haskins. And, you know, I guess it was before that decision had been made that Haskins was going to win. And, you know, you never, you never really know if you're kind of just getting the the company line of like, oh yeah, it's a, everybody's in this competition kind of thing. But I, I still think back on that conversation and like, oh wow, so 
yeah, he, he actually was really quite good. Um, but then, I mean, yeah. he, he transferred to LSU, and then uh, year one was kind of like fine by like it's kind of your average LSU quarterback, at least in terms of the production. Did you have any indication? Either you know, once Joe Brady came on, or whatever it was, that some something like this, like he might take a leap like this in, in twenty nineteen. I I don't really I don't know if anybody saw something like this coming. Like this, there's really no precedent for a quarterback making this kind of leap in, in their last year of eligibility. I, I mean, there's there there is no precedence for it. I, I've gone back and looked um, just to that degree. Um, but uh, I I think I mean there was. If you if you go back and look at Joe Burrow in high school, he was insanely productive and, and has always been accurate. So that's kind of just a baseline natural skill set. But going into this year, I, I think most most of the the NFL teams, like the scouting services that NFL teams use, they had him as like a, a late day three pick. He was like a like a sixth seventh rounder because he he doesn't really have any physical tools that are gonna just just blow you away. Um, kind of just just on this on the surface level, um, in terms of like arm strength and and whatnot. But but when I, I think when you put him in a, in a situation where he can process and go through his reads and and play with confidence and move around the pocket, you start to see okay, like this guy is extremely skilled. Um, and and I, I think his just his ability to to stand in the pocket and, and go through all of his progressions and find the open receiver and, and deliver the ball with accuracy. His accuracy is second to none. I don't know what the completion percentage record is, but I, I would assume he was pushing it. I think he was entering the game about like, like maybe floating around like high seventies, 80%. So, um, so yeah, but I, I don't, I think anybody would be lying to you if they said they expected he was going to come out and throw 60 touchdowns this year and throw, I think he, I think he accounted for 14 in, in the semifinals with uh, passing and rushing. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I think LSU has always had the kind of skill players where, you know, if you want to play hypotheticals, you say, oh man, like what if LSU ran a spread offense or what if they, you know, kind of got the ball to their receivers? You know, they had that year with, with Odell Beckham and, and Jarvis Landry, um, with with Zach Mettenberger, where like if you kind of extrapolate that out to maybe this offense they're running now, you kind of makes you wonder what they would have had. They, LSU's always had these these players. I think it was just a matter of, of running an offense that would uh, that would kind of maximize their talent and get these guys in space. And I think the time is right now in college football to do that. And that's just kind of a perfect storm meeting with with a fifth year quarterback and some really talented receivers, a really good pass catching running back. So uh, it definitely, I think they, they they caught lightning in a bottle this year for sure. Uh, you you wrote today on 247sports.com that you know in, in 2018 was kind of a, an inflection point for giving young quarterbacks a chance and just kind of seeing what Tua Tungavailoa and Trevor Lawrence were capable of seems to have been potentially very influential in coaches giving freshman quarterbacks a chance to to run the offense even though you have a maybe an incumbent starter who's built up you know a lot of cachet with the with the fan base and everything like that I I wonder do you think that maybe there are still a couple of teams that until recently had been like LSU kind of sticking to the more traditional conservative pro style offense that look at this and say hey like in one year we can step up our game. Probably no one will ever step it up as much as LSU did this year, but I mean, just that that possibility is out there. Do you think we look back at this as like a pretty big turning point in college football? Uh, I very possibly. Um, I, I think 
when if you're looking for teams that that can make that jump, I, I think you have to start with with the teams that typically recruit the most talent, right? So, um, it, I just following recruiting, there's really kind of a an upper class in terms of the teams that can go and really get players from anywhere in the country, and it's it's really it's really five teams. It's it's uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, and Georgia. Well, all Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU really all kind of run this this mm-hmm. offense. So I think if you're looking for a team that that if they were to make this, if they were kind of to make a switch in offensive philosophy and maybe see this kind of uptick, Georgia would probably be your pick mm-hmm. if they were to do that. I don't really know if that's kind of what Kirby Smart's thinking or not. Um, but and, and and Nick Saban basically admitted this on the on the broadcast. I saw a clip on Twitter um, of, of him just talking about how um, you you know. The, the, the RPO and spread has really kind of changed the game. And if you, he's basically said like, if you don't aren't hip with the times, you're just not going to be able to, to have the, you know, have the explosive play rate uh, of these other offenses. So um, I, I think if you're, if you're a team that can re- recruit elite players, I think you almost have to run this. Cause if you think about it too, if you're running a ton of plays, it increases the sample size. If you have better players, the more plays you're going to run, there's better chance the talent's going to rise to the top instead of shrinking the game and kind of putting it, you know, in, um, in, in, in chance, whether you get turnovers, or you're kind of worried about field position. If you have better players, you want to play as many plays as possible. So um, Georgia would probably be the team that I would look, look at probably that would benefit the most from that. But I mean, I think anybody in general, unless you're really a team that's maybe kind of, um, working at a talent deficit and you want to shrink the game, maybe like a, kind of like an option team, if that's your right. philosophy, but it's going to be interesting to see because so many teams are running this now. Like we were talking about like the sec West is going to like the big, look, going to like the big 12 a couple years ago with all these hires mm-hmm. um, that, that, that they've made out there and the offenses they're going to run. So it's going to be very interesting. The sec looks, it looks completely different than it did um, offensively a couple years ago. And um, it'll, it'll be fun to kind of watch how that unfolds. So let's talk Clemson. If, when Clemson fans are kind of unpacking this game, trying to figure out, sort through what happened, I think, rightly or wrongly, one of the things they're going to land on is that they got away from the running game with Travis Etienne. And as you mentioned, LSU kind of, like, sometimes it seems like they don't even make a show of pretending that they're going to try to run the ball when it really gets down to it. Um, But Clemson, with is there a case to be made that maybe that was a less good strategy for Clemson because I, I, there were points in this game where it felt like Travis Etienne was just about to start eating up chunks and chunks of yardage, but that, that kind of didn't end up happening. Yeah. I, it's, it's interesting because it, it, if you watch Clemson play a lot, like a lot of Travis Etienne's big runs are, they kind of Clemson really, their philosophy, it, if they kind of have their druthers is, is, to throw to set up the run. A lot of Travis Etienne, like a lot of their best run plays are kind of counters, draws, getting him in space, um, and, and kind of using a, a defense's aggressiveness against them and, and just kind of letting him be an athlete in space, basically. Um, so I, I don't know if, if it was ever going to be a case where Clemson is just going to line up and just kind of try to control the game with the line of scrimmage. That's really not their MO. Um, and I, I, they probably, I would imagine they probably didn't feel great about their offensive line pushing LSU's defensive line around. Um, Clemson, I think they're very sound on the offensive line, but they aren't a team that's really going to like pound the rock like that. Um, maybe I, it would be interesting. Like I think maybe like using Trevor Lawrence in the run game a little more, we saw a little bit of that, um, but uh, he had like 10 rushes for, for 50 yards, but not quite a degree of th- that we saw maybe at Ohio state. I think that maybe would have been an X factor 
But um, but yeah, ETN is is definitely one of the bigger game breakers, and I think you could have used like maybe some misdirection screens, and because LSU was 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 definitely flying upfield, um, and you can maybe kind of use some of their speed against them um, with misdirection. That's, that's typically what Clemson does, but it just didn't seem like a, a lot was was clicking on them the, the, the further the game got going. Um, outside of maybe that uh, reverse they had to T Higgins, and they had some really good designs. Like if 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 we want to like nerd out on some X's and O's for a second. They had a play that I don't think any I, I've never seen before. It's just kind of an air raid mesh concept where the two um, receivers run across each other and kind of rub. Well, one of the receivers read it was zone and basically swiveled back and ran kind of back in in lot kind of parallel with with the other receiver and they kind of created a, a conflict. So it was it was, it was something that I, I think we're gonna see a ton of like air raid teams run that as kind of a counter. So. Um, you see some like really interesting X's and O stuff in, in, in these games with these title in, in, in these title games with with so long to prepare. So um, I thought they had an interesting coaching plan, but I, I just I really don't know if it would have mattered. I think LSU just had better athletes, and and the the matchup on with, with, with Clemson secondary just just really wasn't there. So even though even coming in, I I felt pretty confident that LSU was the better team. I, I think that's what we ended up seeing, but it kind of felt like. Man, LSU, you better get this now because Joe Burrow is going to be gone. Who knows how long Joe Brady will be in town? And you yeah. just have so many obstacles in your path uh, when you when you have to come out of the SEC West. But for Clemson, I mean, you know, I mean, no matter what happens, it's kind of like, all right, so we'll see you guys back here next year. We we all know the drill. Uh, what what is your prognosis? And I know you're not you you don't you know, specifically cover either of these teams. So maybe you yeah. don't have the depth charts memorized, but what is your feel on what these two teams have coming back from a, a talent perspective? Yeah. Well, LSU is a lot bigger question than Clemson to me. Uh, I, I, Clemson's, I think I feel pretty confident saying Clemson's going to be back here next year. They do have a interesting, I think they played Notre Dame in, in November. That's a interesting late season road test that we really don't see like typically with, with Clemson they'll have that that first um kind of that first like non-conference game with like a Texas A&M like they had this year or, or going to Texas A&M uh like they did in 2018 but uh we don't typically see them them going on the road in in November um in an out-of-conference game so that'll be interesting um but but I look, looking at Clemson's roster I mean they're going to be loaded next year they're going to be more talented this year than they were or last year, next year than they were this year. Um, they 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 had they add the current number one class signing class in the country. Several of these guys were are already on campus. They were kind of going through like scout team practices, uh, you know, in in preparation for this game. I think, you know, Clemson's D line was 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 just not typical uh, of a Clemson front this this year. Their best their best D line was a true freshman Tyler Davis. He really was a fairly highly rated recruit, but it, he wasn't like a five star or anything like that. Um, and, and they're adding you know two two five star or really I guess if we're going by the composite three five star defensive linemen. Uh, I, I think uh, Brian Brzee would have easily been their best D lineman like in this game right now as like a eighteen year old. Um, so so they add a ton of uh, impact players on, on on the front, and I think that really would give Brent Venables a lot more flexibility. He really kind of had to get creative with what they did this year they went to that three-man front ran a lot of like the odd front iowa state stuff um and, and just did like a lot of like exotic blitzes i think he'll have a lot more freedom to kind of maybe run more base packages and and whatnot next year so that's the big thing with them they, they had playmakers um just really strong recruiting class i think this is probably 
Dabo Swinney's best recruit, best recruiting class on paper. Uh, LSU, you know, I think the big question is going to be quarterback. Uh, I, I, they have Miles Brennan, who's who's been a backup to Joe Burrow. I think anybody that's going to step into those, those are huge shoes to fill. Um, they do re- return Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall. Uh, they have a couple talented running backs that that, that are freshmen. Um, so so that'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I think keeping Joe Brady's huge, but I think there's definitely some questions with, with LSU going into the season uh, next year. But yeah, I think if you're them, man, you just have to enjoy enjoy winning a title and, and just try try to regroup and and build off of that. Uh, hit the recruiting trail in, in 2021. They and they they have a, they signed a top five class in, in 2020 also. So they'll have they'll have guys. They're they're adding uh, Eric Gilbert, the number one tight end, one of the best tight ends. Um, you know, since we've been following uh, it at 24/7 Sports. So. Um, more definitely more questions with LSU in, in, in a tough schedule, but uh, man, I think you just have to live in the moment and enjoy it right now if you're them. Uh, sorry if you you mentioned this when you're talking about Clemson and I just missed it, but and, and if I did, we'll just have our producer cut this out. But uh, did did you did you mention the thing about uh, how Clemson would have multiple players uh, from the 2020 signing class that could have contributed for them in this game? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think there's I think there's several. That 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 would have, especially on especially on the defensive line. I, you know, I I, I I didn't see him out there. I, I know uh, Anna Hickey, who covers Clemson for us, tweeted before the game that that Niles Pinkney, one of their starting defensive tackles, w- w- wasn't dressed out, so didn't see him out there. But I, I think several of 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 Clemson signees would have played, um, especially when you're looking at when you're looking at the defense. Uh, Brian Brzee, Miles Murphy. Demonte Capehart, that's three five-star defensive linemen. I think they all would have played. Trenton Simpson, uh, for us, is is a, a five-star linebacker. Um, and I think when when you saw like Jamie Skalski come out, uh, he would have been a guy that probably would have been in the game then at the minimum, if not earlier. Um, so so they're definitely they're definitely uh, kind of loading up on on the defensive front. And I, I think w- when you watch this game, there was definitely a little bit of of a talent and depth disparity um, there, you know, comparing them to LSU. And it, it just kind of, despite how hard Clemson competed and, and how good Brent Venable's game plan was, it just wasn't going to happen. I don't think over the course of, they were going to have to catch a lot of breaks to, to slow LSU down with, with their historic offense. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So many people put so much work into this from athletic trainers, equipment staff, players, coaches, chefs, dining room assistants. You know, it's, it's not just me or Coach O or the O-line. It's everybody in, inside that building that, that gets a piece of this. It's a season I'll never forget, man. You know, we just came in a season. We already knew what we was capable of. You know, Coach O told us what we was going to do, and, you know, he stood by his word, and we got this championship. 
everybody that bled the purple and gold the great state of Louisiana. This is for everybody. One team, one heartbeat, baby. So it was kind of fitting that during a national title game where we had yet another transfer quarterback crowned national champion, we had, perhaps inspired by Joe Burrow's performance, we had Houston quarterback, uh, former Houston quarterback, or soon-to-be former Houston quarterback, Derek King, announced that he was entering the transfer portal on Twitter. And so if you're catching up on what Derek King's deal is, Earlier this season, he made some shockwaves by kind of deciding that he was going to redshirt during the season, even though he was Houston's starting quarterback. The The line that was given out at the time was that, you know, he thought it was in the best interest of the team to preserve his eligibility for next year instead of spending it on a team that wasn't very good this year. But it does appear that he is indeed now transferring uh, or at least entering the portal you have the right to pull your name back out if you want, but it, it looks like he's headed elsewhere. Uh, so, Charles, what what kind of quarterback is Derek King? What could people expect uh, to see out of him if he ends up going to a, a big program? Yeah, so uh, so so I, I I've been following Derek King for, for for a little bit. I you know followed him at, in high school, um, and he was really kind of kind of like he was a prolific high school quarterback played at one of the top programs in the Houston area in Manville. His, his, his backup was actually Kyle Trask. He was the starter at, at Florida. Kyle Trask never, never started at, at Manville um, and still got an SEC offer. So that kind of shows you how good Derek King was in high school. Um, he was committed to, he was committed to TCU originally and, um, and ended up committing to, uh, he was kind of more of like an athlete who could play quarterback for TCU. And he ended up flipping to Houston uh, when, when Tom Herman was there. Herman kind of, you know, saw him um, kind of as a, as a Greg Ward, you know, re- replacement. And then, of course, Herman left. And Derek King um, really kind of had a, had a really good season uh, uh, with, with Major Applewhite and Kendall, when Kendall Browse was the offensive coordinator at Houston. So um, yeah, I think he maybe was like, I think he maybe led the country in, in total touchdowns that year, despite like, I think he tore his ACL in the last game and he still, he so w- w- without playing a, the last game or the, the bowl game, I think he still led the country in touchdowns. Um, so definitely can put up numbers. I, I saw him throw in person at the elite 11 this year and he, he'll, he'll surprise you with how he can throw. Uh, he's got a, str- a strong arm polished. I think the main thing with him is he's just kind of short when you're looking at him. Maybe it's maybe like an NFL prospect. He's probably like five, nine, but can really run. I, th- I would say he's definitely a sub four or five guy. Um, and uh, just a- as a college quarterback, he's, dangerous in, in, in a bunch of ways, um, you know, kind of with, with design runs, he breaks tackles and can push the ball on the field. So, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's one to watch. It was, it was interesting, um, watching the, watching the coaches, uh, film room, Gary Patterson, like saw the tweet and like kind of told Mike Gundy, he's like, Hey, I'm going to, he's like, another guy hit the portal. I'm going to make a prediction on where he goes. Uh, when we go to commercial break. And I'm, I'm assuming he was going to say, uh, he's predicting he's going to Arkansas. I don't know where he's going to go. Uh, it'd be interesting, interesting to see, but I would think Arkansas is heavily in the mix, um, uh, with, kind of with his connections to to their staff. So, uh, but then uh, you know we we have a lot of other teams that I'm sure will reach out to him. I would imagine he'll be definitely one of the more sought after, um, you know, transfer quarterbacks. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And as I've mentioned before, we're hard at work preparing some deeper dives into topics that have been on our minds throughout the 2019 college football season. So stay tuned for that. 
Trey Scott and Chris Hummer were both in New Orleans for the national title game. They'll be back on Wednesday with another look at this game with the benefit of another 24 hours of thought and reflection. For Charles Power, Trey Scott, and our producer, Tani Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Wednesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. For drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.